Church, nothing compares to the promise that we have in him. Nothing compares to the word that we've been given in this day. A word of jubilee. This is the year of jubilee. This is the day of salvation that says today you can go free. The word says that every promise belongs to you today. And the jubilee trumpet is sounded. Will you claim it today? Will you grab a hold of what yours, the prophet of God said? Will you dare to grab a hold to the promise? It's a dare today. Will you do it? Will you grab hold and say, Lord, you promised me everything that I have need of. And I'm going to stand right here today because I heard the Jubilee trumpet. And I'm not going to move until you meet my need. I'm not going to move till you meet me right here. Today, this service. I can't put it off till tomorrow. Sometimes death's knocking at the door. I can't put it off till tomorrow. Lord, I need it right now. Somebody's son's out there. Lord, I can't put it off to tomorrow. I need him right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day he'll meet you. I trust in that today. I'm trusting that he'll meet us here in this service today. If you'll go to prayer with me now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, and we thank you, Lord God, for your mighty works. Lord God, we shout your name today in praise. Lord, forever, Lord, we'll lift up your holy name. Lord, your works are marvelous. Your works are mighty. Lord, the enemy cannot stand before you. The enemy cannot, therefore, stand before us today, Lord, as we go forward in your name. Lord, you are our king, Lord, and we're asking, Lord God, that as we come here, Lord God, to do service to you, Lord, that you'll move in this service now. Lord, that you'll have preeminence in this service now. Lord God, that you'll take control of this vessel right now, Lord, and that you will shut my mouth. Lord, for truly I have nothing I could say that would bless these people, but Lord, if the Holy Spirit would speak through these lips. Lord, if the Holy Spirit would come and now take control of this and speak the word to the people, Lord, then people can be set free. Then people can be blessed. Then salvation can be in the house of the Lord. Then healing will be in the house of the Lord. So, Lord, we're asking now, Lord, that you'll come take control. Lord, that you'll take preeminence, Lord Jesus, that you'll have your way. Lord God, that everything we say, Lord, would please you, Lord God, and would tear down the kingdom of Satan today, Father. Lord, for that's what we have come to do. We're about Father's business, the destruction of the kingdom of Satan, and lifting up the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you now. We surrender ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence here amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you will turn with me this morning. Second Chronicles, First Chronicles, twenty-eight. In the back, they were debating on how much water to bring me because I know I can't preach long without water. So they said, should we take him one or two? I said, you might want to bring me three or four. No, I'm just just kidding. So they settled on two. So we'll see what we can do with that. First Chronicles 28 and 5. Says, and of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons. He hath chosen Solomon. My son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Notice who chose Solomon. The Lord had chose Solomon. David says, he had chosen Solomon. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son. And I 
will be his father. In other words, notice the kingdom of Solomon is established by the Lord. This isn't David's doing. This isn't Solomon's doing. The Lord's saying, I have done this. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he be constant to do my commandments and my judgment as at this day. Also, I'm going to read from Isaiah 14 and 12. It says, How art thou, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend. Notice the difference in who's trying to put someone on the throne. The Lord established Solomon's kingdom. Satan's trying to establish his own kingdom. I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You know, no matter what he says here, all the eyes, all the boasts, no matter what he says, the only thing that matters in this whole passage of Scripture is verse 15. Because it doesn't matter what Satan said, but what does God say about it? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. This morning, I don't care what the enemy's telling you. I don't care where he's telling you he's going to put himself in your life and he's going to enthrone himself in your heart. He's going to drag your children out into the world. You're going to get sick. It doesn't matter what he says. What does the Lord say about it? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. You may be seated this morning. Back in 1 Chronicles 17, God had promised David that, that his seed would be the one that would build the temple. He says, your seed, I'm not going to allow you to do it, but your seed will, will raise up after you, and, and he will be the one that builds the temple. Then in chapter 22, verse 9, he says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee. And this is where he identifies the son. Who shall be a man of rest? And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon. It's established once again. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son. I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. You know, it's very obvious that God chose Solomon to sit on the throne. I don't believe you can read these scriptures and come up with any debate. We're told in 2 Samuel that, that God loved Solomon from his birth. And he chose Solomon. We know that David was the one that wanted to build the temple. He had it on his heart to do so, but the Lord told him, because you've shed so much blood, because you've been a, a, a man that shed so much blood, you're not going to be the one to build the temple, but your seed will build the temple. I'm not going to take the promise away from you completely. I'm going to allow, I'm going to raise up a son, and, and due to the blood you shed, you're not going to do it, but, but your son's going to do it. And he, David said, I've had many sons, but the scripture says, but I chose Solomon. So Solomon could rest in this promise because it called his name. He said, thy seed shall build the temple. There was a promise given. And today there's been many promises given to us. And most importantly, it says, thy seed shall inherit the gates of his enemy. That's a promise that we can count on today. Regardless of what comes against us, the gates are everything that comes against us. That encompasses everything you're ever going to face, every trial you're going to come up against. And the word says you're going to possess the gates of your enemy. And so we find here it says, it says, I have chosen Solomon. Now listen, when God chooses something and he's very specific about it, he's very specific about it, it's very important that we do exactly what he says. 
Okay, it's always important to, to, to seek the will of God and find what he's doing. But I believe if a son or daughter of God seeks with everything they have, they pray and they seek and they look. And somehow, just somehow, they miss the will of God. I believe there's grace for that. If you did everything you could and you prayed and you sought and somehow you went wrong. I believe there's grace to cover that. But when God speaks directly and he says, this is how I want it to be. This is how I want things done. This is where I want you to go. It's extremely important that you do that because you can't claim ignorance. You can't say, Lord, I missed it. The only thing that would cause somebody to stand up and go against the will of God in a situation like that would be an antichrist spirit. Because you see the will of God, you know what he wants done, and yet you say, but I think it should be done this way. Anytime we go with, but I, we need to go back there to that Isaiah 14 and recognize where the I comes from. I will exalt. I will do what I want to do. I believe it should be done this way. But God said, Solomon is going to sit on the throne. Recognize the will of God and choosing to go against it is a very dangerous place to be. It's an antichrist spirit, and it's very important that we not only recognize the will of God, but we must be willing to submit to it. It doesn't matter if it shakes out in our favor, as it were, and it doesn't really, really matter if we think it goes how we want it to go. We must be willing to say, yes, Lord, I see where you're leading. I see what you're saying, and I'm here to submit myself to it. I'm willing to do whatever it is that your will says. We can trace that spirit, like we said, of not wanting to do the will of God back into the heavens. That spirit of not being happy with how the leadership's operating. That spirit of saying, I should have a greater position. Or even a spirit of thinking that your opinion is greater than it really is. A place in how you think things should be done. We can take that thought, we can take that mindset, and we can take it all the way back into the heavens. Because Lucifer, as great as he was, as powerful as he was, with everything that God had given him, it just wasn't enough. There was an unquenchable thirst within him that I want to be in charge. I want to have a say in how things are going to run around here. I want more power. And it began to eat at him and it began to gnaw at him. And he began to say, I will exalt. I will sit. I will extend. And it became all about I, 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 I. Because you couldn't quench the desire for power. And you see that sometimes even in earthly conquerors. It's a tendency or a trait you see in people like um, Caesar or Napoleon or Alexander. It doesn't matter how much they've conquered. I want more. It doesn't matter what their throne is and how wonderful their throne is. They see something else that they don't have in their grasp. And they say, I want that. Whether it belongs to them or not. Now, don't get confused. As a son or daughter of God, we are supposed to want all the power that's given us. We are supposed to want everything that has been given us. But the, the spirit of the Antichrist looks at something that does not belong to him and says, I want that. The Lord allotted me this, but I want that right there. And we see that in these earthly conquerors and they go and they, they attack and they go. And what it ends up leading to is their demise. It ends up leading to their destruction. They'll take it by any means necessary. And this is, this is Satan. He, he was kicked out of heaven for wanting more power, but somebody like this can't be satisfied. He says, I got to rule something. I got to rule from somewhere. I got to rule somebody. So he begins to look. Where is there a dominion that I can have? There isn't one available. Adam, he has his dominion and, and, and God has his dominion. What am I going to rule? 
And then he hatches the plan. And we know that through the fall, he began to take a dominion. He began to take a power. He began to take promises that did not belong to him. As a matter of fact, he took your power. He took your dominion. And he began to sit on your promises. And he began to claim them as his own. See, the power that Satan claims to hold never was his to begin with. The power that Satan claims to hold is yours this morning. The power that he's sitting there threatening to use against you doesn't even belong to him. Because he is a usurper. He is a usurper. Someone that comes in and and, and he's a squatter. And, And a usurper is a person who takes a position of power or importance illegally. Well, if they take it illegally, then you can make them give it back. If they're holding something yours illegally, you didn't give it to them, and the price has been paid that you can have it, and he's still sitting on it. You have the right today, this morning, to go to the usurper and say, I never gave that to you. The price has been paid for that. That promise belongs to me, and today I'm going to take it back. And if he refuses to move, then you call Jesus Christ on the scene, and he's got the law on his hands. But listen, as long as you sit there and you do nothing, he doesn't have to move. The prophet would say he's only a squatter. Now, remember in the Old Testament, if a man lost his inheritance and a squatter come on his land, he could not hold it any longer for annihilation from the owner until 50 years. After 50 years, the year of Jubilee came by. And the year of Jubilee, when the year of Jubilee come along, then everything went back to its original beginning again. All slaves, they went back to their original beginning. If a man was hoeing in the field and the trumpet sounded and he heard it, he'd throw down the hoe and say, I'm no more a slave. I go back home to my family. Everything was given back. If a squatter was on the ground, he had to get off the ground. That's all. He got off the ground because why? The legal owner was coming back. And he had to give way. I say today there's a squatter sitting on a lot of things today. But the legal owners are coming back this morning. I'm looking at something going, that's my promise. I own it. Get off. That's my child. I own it. Get off. Every one of these promises, that healing, it's mine. I own it. Get off. That power is mine. The legal owners are coming back today. It's the year of Jubilee. We heard it saying this morning, this is the year of Jubilee. What's it telling you? You can go back and claim all that's yours this morning if satan still has possession of them you have every right to go this morning and claim everything that you have need of but if you don't speak he doesn't have to move if you don't speak he can sit there and you wonder why ain't he moving and to be honest with you the devil's sitting over there going why ain't he kicking me off He knows good and well he has no rights over you. He knows good and well that he can't sit there when the price has been paid. But when you get sick and tired of sick and tired of being kicked around, when you get sick and tired of him stealing your joy, sick and tired of him stealing your peace, sick and tired of not operating in the dominion that God paid for you, then you can come before the king and say, that's my promise. He's held it long enough. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. And you have the right to kick him off of everything that belongs to you this morning. It's yours. You can go and say, Lord, I have a word. I have a promise. I have a token this morning. Lord, you can't be afraid to come before the king and say, Lord, I want my promise. And I want you to fulfill your word. I'm going to speak to you this morning on go tell the king. Go 
tell the king. That's the way of a usurper. They look to take what rightfully belongs to someone else. And, and even though it's clear that God has chosen Solomon, even though it's obvious that he says he's going to sit on the throne, he's going to rule over my people, he's going to build the temple, there was a usurper in the land. Somebody who looked at it and said, I don't agree with that. I, I know that's what the word says. I know that's what the promise said, but I don't see it that way. I think I have a right to the throne. And he began to look through things carnally. He began to look at circumstance. He began to look at situation and go, yeah, that throne belongs to me. And this usurper's name was Adonijah. And in 1 Kings 1 and 5, it says, Then Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. As Bible students or anybody who's even been reading the Bible for 10 minutes, we ought to be able to identify that spirit. He exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Now, notice, he says, I'm going to sit on the throne. What I want to get to you today is it doesn't matter what the usurper says. The word of God has already said Solomon is going to sit on the throne. I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time and saying, why hast thou done so? I don't have time to get into this at all today. But this is interesting. When you research this scripture, it's not talking about in this moment. It's saying David had never once in his life corrected him. Daddy had never once said, son, don't act that way. Daddy had never once disciplined his son. So now this has empowered the son to think I can get away with anything. I can do what I want. I can act how I want to act. Dad has never once said no. So now when I claim the throne, daddy's not going to say no this time either. David had failed as a father in this situation to discipline his sons. He had never once displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? And he was also a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and of Abiathar the priest, and they, following Adonijah, helped him. Listen, just because a lot of people agree with you doesn't make you right. Okay, just because you run around with your negativity and your gossip and all your little friends sit there and go, yep, that's, that's exactly right. Uh huh. That's doesn't matter. That doesn't make you right. That doesn't legitimize your gripe. It doesn't give you any more power. You've just surrounded yourself with a bunch of people who agree with you, and it has in no way in any, any sway on what the Word of God has said. Just because you found others in the church that don't agree with how certain things are done, That doesn't give you a right to continue going around bashing things and and saying things negative about things. Listen, Satan convinced one-third of the angels of God that he was right, and he led them straight to hell. So just because your buddy agrees with you about something means zilch, means nothing, okay? So let's quit trying to get people on our side when we see something that we don't agree with. Guys, we're humans. We're not always going to agree with everything. Can we be honest about that for a minute? We're not all going to look at every situation and every decision and go, that was the perfect way to handle it. That's not reality. 
I'm going to disagree with things. You're going to disagree with things. But the Holy Spirit inside of us says, Lord, what is best for the whole situation? Lord, I believe the man of God prayed about this and made the decision that's best. Lord, I don't necessarily see why we're doing this, but I'm going to move on now. I'm going to put my feelings aside. I'm going to put my shoulder to the wheel, and we're going to move on as a congregation. We're going to move on as a people. Otherwise, you're nothing more than an anchor as the ship's trying to sail on to glory, and you're sitting back there holding it going, but wait a minute, I don't like what we did last week. You're getting left behind. You're about to get drugged through the waters and you're about to get drowned. I say, let it go and get back on the ship. Now, that's got to be the attitude we have. Just let it go. There's things I have to let go of. There's things you have to let go of and just get back on the ship and sail because the ship's going with or without you. I don't want to leave anybody behind. Just get back on the ship this morning. Get back on board and say, Lord, how can I help? What can I do? Listen, it's time to, to quit playing games. Okay, look, I know that the Spirit of the Lord is moving all over the world. His bride's being blessed all over the world. I get that. But I can't speak for those congregations. I'm going to speak for this congregation. We see the Spirit of God move service after service. We've seen miracle after miracle. We've seen healing after healing, salvation after salvation, deliverance after deliverance. I say, why don't we just ride the wave instead of going, mm, that was a good service, but... Did you see the way the deacon talked to me? Really? That's what you got out of last Sunday? That's what you remember from the presence of God moving? It's a little bit, I'll say this because I've been guilty of it, so I'll hit myself over the head. It's childish. It's childish and it's immature. There's things we're not all going to agree with. Let's lay those things aside and move on. Ride the wave. I love what Brother Tim said that. Last week, he said, you know, ride the wave. It's time to stop being a hindrance. Imagine what God could do if some of us would let off the brake. If some of us would quit being a spectator. Because even, even in a service like last week, listen, I understand the way humans are made up. I realize we're not all shouters. I'll give you that. But in the presence of God sweeping across this place and the power of God and people crying out to God. And, and you see people sitting there going... And you say, well, I didn't do anything disrespectful. Yes, you did. You didn't acknowledge the presence of God with your praise. You didn't acknowledge that he was in our place by lifting up your hands. And you may not be a shouter. That's okay. You may not be a runner. That's fine. But you can raise up your hands and go, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord God, I sense your presence here. Lord God, do what your work. Do what it is you're wanting to do this morning. Lord, don't let me hinder what it is you're trying to do amongst the people of God this morning. You don't got to be one that's necessarily whatever you want to call it. I call it acting like somebody that the Holy Ghost has fell on. You can call it what you want. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. But you can at least be respectful enough to recognize the presence of God in our midst and to raise up your hands and give God the worship and the praise that he deserves. It has nothing to do with whether or not you like the sermon or you like the songs. I don't care what you like. The King of Kings is in the building. Give him what he deserves. It's his praise. Worship him. Show him the honor he deserves. First Kings 1 and 8. But Zadok the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Reah and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. There were some spiritual men in Israel. 
there were some spiritual men that didn't get caught up in the negativity. They didn't get caught up in the cunning words of, well, you know David's old, and he's a little bit senile, and he's made some decisions lately that we're not so sure about. And, and yeah, I know he promised the throne to Solomon because the Lord promised it to him, so he promised it to Bathsheba. But really, I mean, was he even in his right mind? Because, I mean, in other kingdoms, they pass it down. The eldest son gets the throne. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. It's obvious to me that David's playing politics. Solomon's his favorite, and, you know, he loves him the most, and he's still trying to atone for the sins of the past. So he's trying to, I mean, come on, you can see that, right? I mean, it makes sense. And a lot of people are sitting around, yep, that's exact. that's how I see it, brother. I mean, brother, that's, that's exactly how I see it. But there were some spiritual men who didn't get caught up on that, and they didn't care what all the circumstances looked at. What they knew was God said Solomon is going to sit on the throne. Solomon, I'm going to establish Solomon's kingdom, and Solomon's going to build the temple. That's all that mattered to them. That's the only thing they were looking at. They didn't care about the circumstances and how things looked. I get tired of hearing people say, it don't look right. I don't care. Okay, I'm not worried about how things look. I'm worried about what the word of God said. And if the leadership I'm following is following the word of God and he's standing there preaching the word and I see signs and wonders confirming the word and I see his promises being fulfilled, then I'm okay with however it looks. Okay, I'm not worried about that. And these were spiritual men who got there who weren't worried about the way things looked, and they just trusted in what the word said. And the men stayed true to godly leadership. And yet, why can't I get off this? It amazes me. Help me, Lord. When people will be swayed by the opinions of men who have no idea what it's like to be led of the Spirit and allow things they say to influence their opinions negatively of the leadership of a proven track record of a pastor or a man of God who has years and years and years a proven track record of regardless of how things look sometimes, God was with them. God moved. God supported it. God set it up this way. And yet we're going to sit there and this guy over here going, me, 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 me. That's right. I agree with him. How? Because you're worried about how it looks. You're looking at circumstances. Instead of looking at the fulfillment of the promise. We move on now. <laughs> Listen, I'll say this. Don't be a part of the one-third. Don't be a part of the one-third. Because that's where you place yourself. Is in the one-third. And the dragon took one-third of the angels with his tail and drug them down to hell. Don't be a part of the one-third. First Kings 1 and 9. And Adjaniah, Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zahilath, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren the king's son, and all the men of Judah the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benaniah and the mighty men and Solomon his brother he called not. Now recognize this is a very dangerous situation. You may just go, well, they didn't get invited to the party. I bet they got their feelings hurt. No, no, no. No, this is a very serious situation. It's a life or death situation, a situation that calls for immediate action. See, Adonijah, by having this party, has begun to usurp himself unto the throne. 
he has begun to place himself in a position of the king. And even though he's not necessarily waging a physical war against David the way Absalom had done, but he's setting himself up to where when the king passes off the scene, he has people around him that say, no, he has a right. He had this big party, and we crowned him king. He had this coronation, and David didn't say nothing about it. David didn't say it was any big deal. And look, look, uh, even the, the, the captain of the army is on his side, and the priest is on his side, and he's the eldest son. But he, he, even deeper than that, he, he's setting himself to be entrenched, and he's surrounding himself all this. And what he's doing is he's squatting on a promise that belongs to Solomon. He's sitting on a promise that belongs to Solomon, and, and he's sitting there, and, and he has no real power yet because David's still alive. He has no power yet, but if you don't deal with it at the beginning, if you allow that squatter to become entrenched, if you allow him to get a foothold in your life, then it becomes harder and harder and harder to deal with the further you go down the road, the more real that the threat actually becomes. And so, so it's important to deal with things early on. Listen, let me put it to you like this. Be careful. Okay. An eight-year-old girl who isn't taught how to dress properly, suddenly becomes an 18-year-old girl who doesn't know how to dress properly. Deal with things when it's easier. Deal with things in their infancy. Teach the right things when they're young. You understand what I'm saying? A root of jealousy, if you catch it when it first comes in, you can rip it out pretty easy and say, Lord, I'm sorry. But you let that thing get entrenched and it wraps around every one of your internal organs. And it begins to consume your thoughts. And it begins to consume to where you can't sleep. And that's all you think about is that bitterness. That's all you think about is how you were done wrong. That's all you think about. And it's all you think about. And it becomes part of who you currently are. And then when you try to tear that thing out, it's like ripping your heart out and ripping your lungs out. And you just can't get it out of there because you've let it become entrenched. And it almost causes death to you to tear it out because it's so wrapped around your heart and around your lungs. But I'm telling you, no matter how much it's wrapped around you, there is a power here today. There is a freedom here today. There is a jubilee trumpet blowing here today that says you can go free. I don't care how long you've lived with that spirit. I don't care how long it's controlled your life. Today, if you will let go of it, it may hurt a little bit. It may tear some things a little bit, but that's okay. The hand of God will reach down in there and pull that bitterness out of your life. He'll pull that jealousy out of your life and he'll bring freedom that you haven't experienced in years some of us don't know what freedom feels like because it's been so long since we've been set free it started off as i'm gonna hold that person captive i'm not gonna let them go i'm not gonna forgive what they did and through the years it's wrapped you up and now you're the prisoner and you don't know what freedom is but you can have that freedom here today You must deal with issues when they come up. They get harder and harder to deal with. And, and you get so used to the problem being in your life that you begin to say, this is just how God made me. No, he didn't. God didn't make you that way. He didn't make you bitter. God didn't make you selfish. God didn't make you jealous. God made you to be free. He made you to be a son or daughter of God. He made you to overcome. He made you to walk in victory. But that thing has been sitting on your life for so long that Satan has begun to convince you, you just have to live with this thing. 
Because this is who you are. And even if the Holy Ghost comes in your life, it doesn't really change who you are. Yes, it does change who you are. It changes your nature. It does away with all those evil things. It casts out all those evil things. That's not who you are. That's not who God made you. But today you can grab hold and say, Lord, you promised me peace. You promised me joy. I don't have to be bound down with some crab spirit of anger and bitterness and walk around and defeat it all the time. I can be set free today because that's who he made you. He made you to be free, not a slave to some complex. Don't forget your promises this morning. Don't, don't settle and allow some demon to come squat and tell you, well, that's just who you are. We know better. God didn't make you that way. So Adonijah is setting up this kingdom right on the promise of Solomon. But, but there was a watchman in the land. There was a prophet in the land. Aren't you glad there was a prophet in the land today that, that could recognize the tactics of the enemy and, and tell you, you need to go claim your promises. You need to walk into the king and tell him and stand on the word of God. There was a prophet today that told you how to deal with Adonijah when he rises in your life. And he comes to Bathsheba and he says, you must go to the king. You must go to the king and tell him my promises are being stolen. Remember what you promised me. Remember you promised me that Solomon would sit on the throne. Those were your words, king, not my words. You promised me. And he's saying, you must go in now because this is being stolen from you. Everything you have is being stolen from you. Your life is about to be stolen from you. You're about to be robbed of everything. Sometimes things look so innocent, but I'm telling you, it's not innocent. It may start somewhere little, but he's not just after the little things. He's after your life. He's after your soul. He's after your family. And you've got to recognize it when it's young and stomp that thing out right then, right there, and say, Lord, thank you for pointing that out to me. Thank you for allowing me to deal with it before it became entrenched. And he says, you must go to the king and remind him of his promise. Verse 11, wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, doth reign? And David, our Lord, knoweth it not. Now, therefore, come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee unto the king David and say unto him, Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thy handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then doth Adonijah reign? <clears throat> We're going to skip down. Verse 16, and Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king. She knew how to approach the king. Did obeisance unto the king, and, and the king said, what wouldest thou? And she said unto him, my lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thy handmaid, saying, surely Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth, and now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. This is a principle here showing you that you can come to the Lord and tell him exactly what the enemy's trying to do to you. It's okay to come to him and say, Lord, what Satan has done to me is he's robbed this from me, he's robbed that from me, he's robbed that for me, but I'm not going to take it because your word said I can have that promise. You promised me out of your word to my ears, you said I could have this promise and I don't have to take it. She comes to me and says, but you promised me. Verse 20, and thou, my Lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee, that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my Lord, the king, after him. 
forgive the expression, but you put God on the spot. Say, Lord, you promised. And you go about testifying. The Lord has done this. The Lord has healed me. The Lord has delivered me. The Lord has saved my son. And what happens? All the eyes of the world turn to the Lord. They're saying you did this. And now the king has to act. And she says, the the eyes of Israel are upon you. The eyes of Israel are upon you because I testified of what you promised me. And he said, you would never be ashamed. If you testify of the Lord and the good things he's done and what he's going to do for you, you'll never be left holding the bag looking like a fool as it were. But if you testify and say, the Lord my God is my healer, the Lord is my deliverer, I'm going to walk in victory, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he will give you exactly what you claim. He will give you exactly what you have need of. You will never be ashamed for standing and testifying of what the Lord has done for you. Listen, Bathsheba's not playing games here. This isn't a joke because Nathan told her in verse 12, this is to save your life and Solomon's life. Listen, this isn't a threat to get her to act. This isn't him over-dramatizing, you know, something like, you know, people say, oh, if that would have happened, I would have just died. That's drama. This is reality. He's saying, do you not realize you must do this to save your life? And the reason is this is consistent with the practice at the time. Of any time there was a contested throne, whoever took the throne would then kill everyone else who had a claim to the throne. So Bathsheba, and she says later on, she tells David, if he comes to the throne, we will be counted offenders. In other words, he's going to kill us. By not inviting Solomon to the banquet, by not inviting Bathsheba to the banquet, he was in effect putting out a hit list. Those people, when I come to the throne, those people will die. Those people are a threat to my kingdom. I'm telling you this morning, wake up and realize you have not been invited to Adonijah's banquet. He has not invited you there. He has proclaimed that you are mortal enemies. And I say, that's okay. I've been invited to another banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going there one day. I don't need your invitation to this Laodicean wedding coronation or whatever you want to call it. You want to call me enemy? Fine. I say you are my enemy. And the Lord said, your enemies shall be my enemies and I will send hornets before you and I will drive out your enemy he declares you're his enemy and I say good I'm fine with that but when you recognize he's hosting the banquet he's planning your death it's time to go to the king and say but Lord you promised you promised but now Adonijah reigneth what are you going to do Lord all the eyes of the world are upon you If you see the enemy moving, you better get to the king. It's not a time for games. See, Adonijah truly believes that he's supposed to sit on the throne. He honestly believes that he has a right to it. He exalts himself to a position that he thinks he deserves because of what's known as primogeniture. And what primogeniture was, and if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. But it was the idea, especially in medieval times and down through the Middle Ages that the eldest son always received the father's estate. Everything that belonged to the father was passed to the eldest son. That's just how things were done. That's just how we do things. Except in Israel. See, Israel was different because God chose the rulers. But Adonijah's looking at it through worldly eyes. This is how everybody does it. Why do we have to follow what the Lord told David? 
Everybody else, the king just passes it down to his eldest son. I have a right to this throne. I am the eldest son. And the reason he was the eldest son is, is we know that, that Amnon and, and Absalom had died, and it made him to be the eldest son. As a matter of fact, Solomon was way down on the list. There were many others older than Solomon. He was just a child. Many scholars would say that, there was, that he wasn't even 20 when he took the throne. And here's Adonijah going, we're going to give the throne to him? Look. And what he's trying to get everybody to do is look with these. Look at the circumstance. I'm the eldest. Who's going to give you better leadership? Who's going to be strong in time of war? I mean, that little runt. I mean, look, look at me. I'm the eldest. I'm supposed to be in charge. And he felt he had a right to it. And apparently, according to Scripture, all of Solomon's brothers sided with Adonijah. Because the scripture says there in verse 9, it says, Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone, which is by Ingrid, and called all his brethren the king's sons. Every one of them were there except for Solomon. Everything was stacked against Solomon. See, that's the circumstance that's the situation we might would call it that's facing Solomon. Adonijah set up a kingdom and, and everyone's on his side. Everybody's backing him. And Joab, the very leader of the armies of Israel, he has his support. And, and Abiathar, the priest, has his support. And all the princes of the kingdom of Israel, he has their support. And all the everybody is supporting him. So it looks as if the circumstances would say, you're never going to take the throne. The circumstances would say Adonijah is going to rule. The circumstances would say you're going to be put to death. But what I love about Solomon, what I love about, uh, about, uh, I just lost her name. Bathsheba. Thank you. (laughs) Went blank. What I love about them is they don't even care about the circumstances. When Nathan comes to them, he says, go tell the king about the promise. He doesn't say, look, go tell the king about everybody that's on Adonijah's side. Go tell him all that stuff. Lord, you don't know how bad my week's been, and you don't know how bad, and you don't know how bad, and you don't know how bad, and you don't know how bad. bad." He's going, please. But he said, go tell him about the promise. And that's how you approach the king. Lord, you said in your word I was going to be healed. You said in your word I would have my children. You said in your word. Not go tell him about the circumstance. Don't go tell him about the situation. Yes, it's all stacking Adonijah's favor according to these eyes. But according to the promise, Solomon was going to sit on the throne. According to the promise, you are going to take a rapture. According to the promise, you and your children are going to be there according to your promise you will be held in perfect peace that's what I'm looking at today go tell the king go tell the king what he promised you today the king had sworn an oath and as long as they could get to the king as long as you have an audience with the king I'm so thankful that there's been a way made that we have an audience with the king And as long as we can come before the king, then I'm not worried about the circumstance. As long as I can come before the king, they can do what they want out there. And Satan can claim what he wants out there. But I'm not going to let him take it as long as I have an audience with the king. I'm going to remind him of his word today and tell him, Lord, you promised me. You know what happens when Satan tries to rob you of one of your promises? And you don't do anything? It's not a trick question. 
you get robbed. When Satan tries to rob you of one of your promises and you do nothing, you get robbed. You must be proactive in the situation. You can't just sit back. If she would have just sat back and said, you know, Nathan, he promised me, so I'm just going to sit back and wait and see how it works out. It wouldn't have been a good plan, church. If she would have took that attitude, then her and Solomon would have been killed. They would have been put to death. He would have never sat on the throne. You can't sit there and go, the Lord promised me, so I'm just going to sit back here, watch my kids go right on out into the world. I'm just going to sit back and see how this works out. Because he promised me. It's not how it works. You have to be proactive. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to stand up and say, this is my promise. This is my possession. I'm going to walk in this promise. Footsteps are possession. And I'm going to walk all over this promise. I'm going to walk all through this promise. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail for everything. Look, some people amaze me at their unwillingness to fight for their families. God gave you those children. I say fight for them. Fight for them. Don't sit back and go, what will be, will be. No, it won't. I'm going to claim my children, every one of them. I'm going to claim them. And when I see other people's children out there, I'm going to fight for them too because we're a family. Those children are our children. And I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up because I don't care what the circumstances say. I have a promise. Fight for them. Don't lay down your sword and go, what will be, will be. Fight for your friends. Fight for every one of them. Sometimes we need help. There's times I need you to fight for me. Don't give up on me. When I go through a struggle, don't go, well, I'm sure the Lord's going to see him through. He is. But he may do it by you coming by my way and you praying for me and you helping me in the time of need. Fight for each other. I'm not going without you. You're not going without me. So I suggest we fight for one another. We stand for one another in the time of need. Stand up for each other. We can't just sit back. You sit back and you get robbed. But the minute you go to the king and you tell him what the enemy's doing, Satan has Jesus Christ on his hands. That's according to your prophet. He has Jesus Christ on his hands. I say we put him on the enemy's hands today. We begin to claim what he promised us and send him after each and every one of those promises and therefore send him after whoever it is that's holding them. We're not looking today at an oath sworn by an earthly king. Our oath was sworn by the king of kings and he swore by himself because he could swear by none greater. Brother Branham would preach on oath many times, and I want to read several quotes in a row here just to establish our thought on oaths. Brother Branham would say, now we find here that the reason that we can be undisturbed, because it was given to our father Abraham and to his children, and God who gave the promise swore by an oath that he would confirm it and keep it, and that he has done. A man that becomes a child of God has a positive hold on Calvary. And Calvary has a positive hold on him with the assurance by Almighty God by an oath to himself that he will raise him up in the last days and take him to glory. There's not no if or and or nothing. It's something that's positive. God made the promise. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up at the last days. Why? Sure, God promised it. It's a promise. It cannot fail. God swore by an oath he would do it. Amen. That settles it. 
He said, God swore by an oath to David that he would not leave his soul in hell. An oath is the end of all strife. And he swore that he would not leave his soul in hell, but would raise him up. And therefore he trusted God and was crucified, died, rose again, and ascended into heaven because he believed God. How much more? As he set an example, can we take the absolute, if Christ could take it upon that one promise, how much more can we take it with thousands of promises? And with the blood of Jesus Christ there to cleanse our way and bring us across the great chasm chasm of sin that separated us of unbelief from God and bring us right into his presence to talk to him, how much more could it be? How much more could we have today? With the thousands of promises and every one of them freely given. Every one of them yours. How many times have we heard quit living below your privileges? All that means is quit living there letting Satan take and lay claim and squat on certain promises. Listen, I don't care if you've claimed 990 out of 1,000. There's 10 more you need to go get today. There's 10 more that Satan's holding on to telling me I can't have. I don't care how much money I have. If you steal some of it, it's not yours. I'm not going to sit back and go, well, I still got this. They took about a quarter of it. That's no big deal. I still got that. No, sir. That's mine. And I'm coming after it, and I'm going to take it. And that's the attitude we've got to have with the word today. Quit letting him nibble here and there and going, it's okay. I still got all this fruit. But he's never going to be satisfied with that nibble here or there. As soon as you get comfortable with him nibbling a little bit, he's going to take a big bite. And he's going to take a big bite. He's going to take a big bite. And one day you're going to look around and you're going to go, what happened to all my fruit? What happened to all my promises? How did I end up in this condition? And it's because you were willing to give up one promise. I say today we don't give up one promise. Not one thing the word has promised us. Not one thing. I'm going to take a rapture. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have everything he promised me. Everything that's in that Bible when the Satan comes against me. I'm going to stand. I'm going to fight. I'm going to prepare to battle. Brother Joe's been preaching an amazing series to young people on prepare to battle. Listen, it is a fight. If you thought otherwise or somebody told you it wasn't, they lied to you. This is a battle. you got to put on the whole armor of God as we've been, heard, been hearing about. Take the sword of faith. Put on the killer shoes and prepare to fight today. He's here taking your promises. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You keep going, God's going to move. God's going to move. He is going to move. When you go tell the king, when you go to the king and say, I've had enough. He's taken the promises you gave me. Now you'll see God move on the scene. You have to move if you want to see God move. Quit sitting there going, God's going to move. Not on you, he ain't. Because you've been sitting there for 20 years going, God's going to move. It is a promise. But you have a part in the promise. You have something you're going to have to do. One down. The usurper hates you. He's not just going to sit back and watch you live in joy and sit back and watch you live in victory and go, "Woo, I'm happy for that guy. I mean, he has claimed all his promises. That's great. Good job, Paul. (laughs) You go head on. That's not how he operates. Your joy brings anger to him. Your peace upsets his camp more than you can understand. The salvation of a soul just completely blows his kingdom apart. He sits back and he despises you because you hold the power. You hold the dominion. You hold the rights to it that he always wanted from the beginning. And he's been after it from the beginning and he's going to stay after it all the way till the end. 
unless you put your foot down and tell the king where he's trying to rob from you. He hates you because it's taking something he wants. He wants to rob you of your promises. He wants to rob you of your possession. Now, I'll tell you why. Satan has no interest in your joy, per se. It's not that he wants to take your joy and cloak himself in it and go, Woo, I'm happy. This joy of the Lord stuff's amazing. That's not, he has no interest in your joy. But if he gets your joy, that's a piece of you. So now he has a claim to all of you. You understand? He has no interest in your peace. He doesn't want peace. But if he can take your peace, then he has a piece of you. Now he has a claim to all of you. He can sit there and he can claim, I have a part. Look, if the Arabs come in and take a part of Israel, even if they don't get the majority of it, they can stand there and go, we have a claim to this portion of Israel. They have a claim on Israel. You understand where I'm coming from? So he, we can't let him have even little pieces because it allows him to have a claim to you and therefore a claim to your throne. Therefore a claim to your dominion. A claim to your promises because you gave him this one little piece. We can't let him have any. When we see him moving, you must go to the king. You must come in right there and say, Lord, you promised. You promised all of this to me, not part of this, but you promised all. Don't let him have a piece of you. Because that gives him a claim to all of you. But when he, when he comes in after the things, you, you must recognize Adonijah for what he is and recognize what he's after. Look, it starts with peace, sure. But that's not where he wants to stop. He, so, so you lose your peace and you're all disgruntled and you're all upset. Now you come into the home and you're upset and it begins to stir up the home. Now we see him in his work. He just took your peace. That's all he took. But now the whole home's upset. Now there's no prayer life going on at home. Oh, but, but all he took was my peace. Now there's no altar going on at home because everybody's upset. And it's 1030 and you say, get in the bed. We ain't got time to pray. Hurry up and go to sleep. But all he took was my peace. But now through taking your peace, he's taking your home. Now there's no prayer life at home. Now your kids grow up and, and they're not used to prayer life. And, 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 and they come up and you're wondering, why won't my kids give their heart to the Lord? And it's because you've been stomping around angry and mad with no peace in your home for the last 10 years. You see, he doesn't just want your peace. He wants more. He doesn't just want your joy, but he uses those places as a way to get in. you got to recognize he's not just after my peace. He's not just after my joy. He's after my life. He's after my home. He's after my mama. He's after my daddy. He's after my friends. He's after my children. He's after everything I hold dear. And today, I'm not going to sit here and hand it over to him. I'm not going to lay down and give it to him. But today, I'm going to go to the king. I'm going to say, oh, king, you promise. Do you not know that Adonijah reigns? Do you not know what he's stealing from me? But I'm not going to take it anymore, Lord. I'm going to stand here. The brother Brenham said, be on his hands. Be on his hands this morning and sit there and say, Lord, you better not do that. I hope you can't knock that thing out of tune or something. Lord, Brother Branham said, keep knocking. And he said, keep knocking. He said, keep knocking. And he said, I'm having a good time knocking. And he said, keep knocking and keep knocking. You say, well, I don't want to just keep coming and keep knocking. It shows that I don't have faith. Absolutely contrary to that. It shows that I do have faith. And because I do have faith, I'm still here. Because I do have faith, I'm not leaving, Lord, because I know you promised it to me. And because I do believe, I'm not going to move until you give it to me. Why? Because I believe. Because it's a promise. It doesn't show you doesn't have faith. It shows you believe. And I'm going to keep coming. And I'm going to keep coming. And I'm not moving. I'm on your hands today, Lord. 
You promised me. The longer that he wants to, the longer he can keep you from your dominion, then the longer he can reign from your dominion. The longer he can sit in that position because you haven't removed him, because you haven't claimed what is yours. But the prophet comes along and he says, don't you see what Adonijah is doing? Don't you see the devil's robbing you of all your privileges and, and these privileges belong to you, but you're going to have to go into the king. And the promises that have, they, they've been made to us by an unchangeable God. Not just some earthly king. It's an unchangeable God, but, but, it, but it's absolute warfare. You're going to have to be willing to stand there. You're going to have to be willing to fight. And Adonijah, he, he, he wants what you've been promised and he's standing against you and he's coming to take it. But somewhere there's going to be people that stand up to him. We're not going to be like those that go join at his feast, but we're going to stand up to him and say, no, not today. We're going to look at it through spiritual eyes and recognize his attacks. Look, it's not always an obvious full frontal attack and you go, "Woo, here comes the devil. Boys, y'all get ready. Devil's coming. I wish it was that easy. But he comes in sly and he works through a little comment. He works through a little, ooh, wonder why they said that to me. And that hurt a little bit. And then Adonijah comes worming his way in. I'm going to set a throne up right there on that little hurt. And now it's not just going to be a throne, but I'm going to begin to build a kingdom. And I'm going to invite other spirits in to my coronation party. And now it's not just a little bit of bitterness, but it's a little bit of envy and a little bit of strife and a little bit of jealousy. And they're just having a, they're having a big party. All because you didn't deal with it when, if you could go back in time to the, oh, that hurt a little bit. Right there you go. Ah, that brother probably didn't mean that. Lord, I'm going to give that to you. I'm just going to move on. That's always been a good brother. I, he, didn't, he didn't mean that. I'm going to let it go. And, I'm, and if you did, Adonijah never had a place to set a throne up in your heart. You squashed it right there at that moment. You squashed it and you gave him no room, no, no room to walk. Listen, he's an unfailing God and, and you as seed of Abraham are, are given so many promises. And he wants to take them. But the, the scripture would say in Galatians 3.29, And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 4.28, Now we brethren, as I as it was, are the children of the promise. Which promise? Every promise. Which one belongs to me, Aaron? Every single one of them. Every single one of them belong to me. And you say, well, I believe that. Well, let me start by congratulating you. I'm glad you believe. But believing is not enough. You must take it and put it into action. You can sit back there with your belief and never move and say, well, I believe God can. I believe God can. Satan believes and trembles. But what are you going to do with that belief? You must take that belief and go in before the king and put your belief into action. Solomon could have sat there with all these promises and sat back and said, well, I believe what my father said. And he would have never been the, been the king. And, and we've been hearing service after service here in Evening Light Tabernacle and, and other places, I'm sure, about putting the word in action. About believing what you hear and not just believing and sitting there, but taking what you believe and going out to fight with it. And, and that's what we're speaking of today. You've been given promises. Somebody's trying to steal those promises. What are you going to do about it? If I'm going to sum it up, you've been given promises. Somebody's trying to steal those promises. What, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and go, well, I believe. No, you're going to have to take that belief. You're going to have to put it in action. So Solomon had to, and Bathsheba, they had to put it in action. She had to remind the king of his word. She had to go tell him what it was that was being stolen from her. What was she doing? She was speaking the king's word back to the king. 
She was praying the promises of God back to God. She was speaking the word to the Lord saying, Lord, you said it, and I believe I have a right to speak these things. Listen, here at Evening Light Tabernacle, you of all people on this day should know you have a right to speak what it is you want today. In this very congregation last Sunday, the voice of God bellowed out in an interpretation, and it said, you can speak the word now. Whatsoever you want, you can speak. This is your moment, and it's coming from me because I'll give you whatever you would like to speak. For I am the Lord God, and I will give it to you. I am the Lord God, and I will give it to you. And you want to tell me about some circumstances? You want to tell me what the enemy's putting on you today? I am the Lord God, and I will give it to you. Speak now. Go to the king now. Tell him your need now. Raise up before him and say, Lord, you promised me. Speak now. Will he do it, William? William, in that very moment, as the interpretation come out and the power of the Holy Spirit swept across this place, he said, Lord, give me the Holy Ghost. And in that moment, you, you see on the video, our brother's worshiping all of a sudden. He just, bam, he hits the ground. Now, does that mean you got the Holy Ghost? No, that didn't mean you got the Holy Ghost. But he rose up from there and he said, when I spoke it and the power of God hit me, I instantly knew it was a finished work. It's a finished work for you. It's a finished work for you. It's a finished work for you and you and you and you and you. But you got to speak it. He's telling you today, come on in. Come on in. Come to the king. Come to the king. Come speak what you have need of today. What's the enemy trying to take from you? Don't let him have none of it. Go tell the king. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. If he made a promise, he's going to keep it. If he swore an oath, you can count on it. Brother Brown would say when a divine promise is made, God's solely under oath and obligated to take care of any of his promises. God is worth no more than what his word is worth. If that word is not effective, then God is not effective. You can't fail. There's no way of failing. You're Abraham's seed. God has sworn with an oath he'd take you, take you in. Amen. There you are. He sent his covenant. Hallelujah. What's more, she's standing there. Oh, to stand in her place. Can you stand there tonight, brother? Can you stand there tonight, sister, in her place with your difficulty standing at the fountain of life, knowing that Jesus is at the right hand of God with a sworn oath and his own blood that he will give you whatever you ask? In his name. And no matter how sick you are, how far you're gone, lay a hold of God's eternal promises and nurse your life back again. How far you are in sin, how black you are, you may be a prostitute from the street. But that same promise is to you if you'll dare, if you'll dare, if you'll dare to take hold of God. That sounds like a challenge to me this morning. If you'll dare to take hold of God, you say, oh, I've been holding on for a long time. Just hold on a little longer. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. One of these days is going to be the last day you have to hold on. One of these mornings is going to be the last morning you have to hold on. Some of your loved ones, you're going to turn around and you're going to go, what are they doing in the house of God? What are, what are they doing here? 
It's because you held on. You told the king. You said, the enemy has stole my child. The enemy has stole my health. But today, I have to hold on no more because the promise is fulfilled to you. Oh, just go tell the king this morning. Go tell the king. Hallelujah. They can't fail if you'll dare to take hold of them this morning. Look, he spoke the oath. He swore the promise. But now when those things are under attack, when your promises are being attacked from all sides, when it's threatening your life, it's up to you to go to the king. It's up to you to tell him exactly what he promised. You promised thee that I would be there and my offspring with me. Lord, I pray now you remember that promise. Lord, you promised me perfect peace. I pray now you remember that promise. Lord, you promised that by your stripes I was healed. I pray now you remember that promise. Listen, it's okay to remind the Lord of his word. We don't remind him in a way like we think he forgot. Y'all understand we're not saying that. But it's to show him that we're standing here. Lord, I'm here because I believe. The scripture even says many times what refers to the Lord remembering. It says in Psalms 25 and 6, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Jeremiah 15, 15, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Lamentations 5, 1, remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Lord, that's what he's telling him. Lord, remember what the enemy's doing to us. Remember what he's coming in. And Lord, they're trying to take. Remember what has come upon us. Lord, remember your promise. Consider and behold our reproach. It's nothing wrong with reminding the Lord of his promises. We're not reminding the Lord in doubt. We're reminding him in praise. I thought it was phenomenal. And my wife reminded me of it just the other day. She was, she was talking about Brother Wendell's sermon. Wednesday night. And he said, one of the greatest expressions of our faith is praise. One of the greatest expressions of our faith. Don't tell me you believe that you're healed and you walk around telling everybody about your symptoms. Don't tell me that you believe your children are coming back and all I hear about is how awful a situation they're in. You don't believe, you're trying to believe, but your focus is on the circumstances that surround you. Tell me what the promise of God says. You say you're healed? Yes, I'm healed. Well, how do you know? You feel different? No, but that's not what I'm worried about. I'm healed because the word said I'm healed. I'm healed because Jesus Christ took stripes to heal me. The work is finished. My son's coming back because I have a promise that he's coming back. Well, have you seen anything changing in him? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, my son's coming back because the word said my son's coming back. My daughter's coming back. Well, how do you know? Because the word says so. Don't tell me you believe. Start praising and let that be the expression of your faith. Lord, thank you that you're sending my children back. Thank you that I'm healed. Thank you that you're going to give me the Holy Ghost. That's a promise that I have. Thank you that my children can have the Holy Ghost. Thank you that they're saved. Thank you that we're going to be there and express your faith in praise. 
Doubt and fear only bring damnation. They do not bring deliverance. Your focus on circumstance does nothing but take you further and further and further away from the promise. Begin to praise as an expression of your faith. Listen, people get this idea, like I said earlier, that coming over and over is an expression of doubt, but that's not true. You must come over and over, but come boldly. And Brother Branham would say, you come to him intelligently with his word. You bring the word before you and say, Lord, you made the promise. I've asked you to open my eyes. Let my face stop the Lord Jesus tonight. May he turn to me and tell me like the woman that did many years ago. And you believe with all your heart. Time and time again, you would hear the prophet remind the Lord of what he would say. And he would say, Lord, he'd be in prayer lines many times. And he would say, Lord, you promised. And he would say stuff like this. He would say, Satan has bound this fellow. Take his life and throw him anywhere. Try to kill him. Shorten his days. But you promise whatever we ask and believe, we receive it. And you shall have it. That's written in the word. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this man. Don't pay any attention to what the devil says and what the critic says and what the unbeliever says. Keep your eyes set on Calvary saying, Lord, you promised it. Come to your word, Lord. You promised that you'd bless your word wherever it was spoken. And you said it would not return unto you void. But it would accomplish that which it was purposed to do. And Father, thou who has sent the word, now may the Holy Spirit take the word now. Go right straight into the hearts of the people and establish unmovable faith, Lord, that will heal the sick and afflicted. Don't be afraid to say, Lord, you promised. Time after, I just picked three or four. There were so many of them. He would say, Lord, you promised. Lord, you promised. Reminding the Lord, Lord, this isn't William Branham. This is your word. You promised this. You promised this. Listen, what promise are you holding on to today? Each and every one of us have things we're holding on to. I say, go tell the king. Each and every one of us have something that the enemy's trying to rob from us. I say, go tell the king today. Don't sit there in your seat and go, it's a promise. I know it's going to come to pass. Go tell the king the enemy is real today. He's after you. He's after your possessions. He's after your joy. He's after your peace. But, but it's time that we rise up and say, no more. You're not coming another step onto my territory. You're not coming another step onto my property. Go tell the king what's been stolen from you. If it's salvation... There's a promise for that. 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he had promised us, even eternal life. Acts 16, 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. If it's your children, there's a promise for that. Acts 2, 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children. If it's health, there's a promise for that. Exodus 15, 26. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. 1 Peter 2, 24. By whose stripes... You were healed. If it's joy, there's a promise for that. Psalm 1611, that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. John 1511, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. If it's peace, you guessed it. There's a promise for that. Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. It's because we trust in him this morning. But look at my circumstances. No, don't look at your circumstances. There's a promise for each and everything you have need of tomorrow, today, tomorrow. Yesterday doesn't matter. His word is good forever. Go tell the king this morning. 
Anytime one of these promises comes under attack, go tell the king. Be proactive. Go on the attack. Prepare to battle. Be prepared to fight. And when you do that, when you call on the name of the Lord, you will see the fulfillment of another promise from Malachi 3 and 11. For I will devour, excuse me, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. When you call on the name of the Lord, I will rebuke. But Lord, what am I going to do about this situation? Just stand back. You came to the right place. You came to the king. You came to the person that made the promise. And now that sin that's tried to creep in, that depression that's tried to creep in, that fear that's tried to creep in, the, 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 the enemy that's come and tried to rob you of everything you've ever had, I'm going to rebuke him. I'm going to cast him out. I cast him out of heaven once, and I'm going to cast him out of your life. I'm going to cast him down off the throne of your heart because I will rebuke the devourer for your sake if you'll go tell the king. Hallelujah. So Adonijah, he's at this big feast, enjoying what he thinks is a coronation. He successfully swayed certain people. He staked a claim to the throne, and he's based it on precedent of the passing down. But in the meantime, while that's going on, while Satan's having his celebration, there's a people sitting at the feet of the king. At the meantime, there's somebody sitting there at the king's feet saying, Lord, you promised. Lord, you promised. Listen, there's some people reminding the Lord of his great and precious promises this morning. And as always, you know what the Lord's responding back? Of course you can have it. Of course I'm going to give it to you. Of course, I promise that to you. Yes, you can have the Holy Ghost. Yes, you can have peace. Yes, you can have your children. Yes, you can have victory. And he's sitting there responding like that. And 1 Kings 1.30 says, Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord Lord God, this is David's response of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me. He shall sit upon my throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. The moment they decided to quit letting Adonijah run around and and toy here and toy there and claim this and claim that. The moment they brought it to the king, he said, that promise I'm going to fulfill for you this day. Our Lord God goes into action the minute he hears us calling. The the, the prophet of God would say, when when the, the, the devil gets after the bride of Jesus Christ, he's got the Lord Jesus on his hands. I'm telling you today, bring it to the king's attention. He says, yes, I'm going to fulfill what I promised you. Yes, I'm going to give you what you have need of. And that dumb old devil's over there having a party. He's over there thinking he's having a good time. He's over there going, we got the kingdom. We got the kingdom. I stole their peace. I stole their joy. I've got, now, now I've got a claim to the throne. And the whole time you're at the feet of the Lord going, you see what Adonijah's doing. You see what he's trying to take from me. But you see what you promised me. So Adonijah partied on, and Solomon's sitting at the feet of the king. And Solomon's sitting there having the promise confirmed to him with the anointing oil being poured over his head. The anointing oil is being poured over the head of Solomon. And isn't it wonderful that we come together and we worship in a place where the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit is poured out time and time again. And his promise is confirmed to us time and time again. Not just in, in service, sure, but each and every day you can go to the feet of the king. 
And he confirms his promise to you time and time again. I don't care what Adonijah's doing right now. I don't care what his party's going on. I don't care what he's claiming. I promised you that. Yes, child. Yes. Here, I'm going to confirm it. And he pours out the anointing oil upon it, showing us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I got a number of scriptures I'm going to read here. 1 Kings 1, 31. Then Bathsheba bowed her head, bowed her face to the earth, did reverence to the king and said, Let my lord, King David, live forever. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and call Solomon my son to ride upon my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him their king over Israel. And blow ye with the trumpet, and say, God, save King Solomon. Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my stead. Notice the power that's given to him. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaniah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen, the Lord God of my lord the king, say so too. As the Lord hath been with my lord the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord, King David. 39. And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet. And all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth rent with the sound of them. And this is the part I love the best. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it. As they had made an end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being in an uproar? And while he yet spake, behold, Jonathan the son of Abiathar the priest came. And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bring us good tidings. I can just see the devil as that demon that fled from here last Sunday and last Wednesday and every other service comes running back into the party. And the devil says, come on in, buddy. Tell me the good news. Tell me all about how they're bound down. Tell me all about how we stole their joy. Tell me all about how we stole their throne. Tell me all about how we stole their children. How the Holy Ghost didn't move them up there at Evening Light Tabernacle anymore. Tell me all about it. He says, and Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, Verily, our Lord King David hath made Solomon king. In other words, he said, Satan, let me tell you what happened. You know, them young people up at Evening Light Tabernacle that you've been telling them they can't have the Holy Ghost? Well, them people went to the king and they said, Lord, you made a promise, Acts 2.38. That said, I can have the Holy Ghost. And you know what happened? The Lord gave him the Holy Ghost. And he said, you know what else happened? He said, you know, the people you've been telling they couldn't get healed. You know what happened? They went into the king. And they said, Lord, you made a promise to me. And the Lord healed them. He said, furthermore, furthermore, he said, excuse me. My iPad done messed up on me.
And the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, and the Peleathites, and they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. And if you skip on down to 48, it says, And also thus said the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. I actually witnessed this, Adonijah. Devil, I actually witnessed it. Those young people were so excited. They began to cast off every demon we had. They began to defeat everybody. They began to run them for the back door. Healing was thrown through that place. It was a shout in the land. He said, oh, but what about, what about those sisters that I've been telling they, they couldn't have children? He said, well, they went in. They said, oh, king, king, you promised me that, that in Psalms 113 that he make it the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. And they said, praise ye the Lord. And they wasn't even down about it anymore and the Lord came and he fulfilled that promise to them and there was a shout in the camp and he said oh Lord Jesus he said you know those families that you tore apart he said yeah he said they went into the king and they said Lord you promised in Joel 2 I will restore saith the Lord and that hallelujah oh glory to God that's the roar you hear that's the roar you hear because the Lord God remembered the promises he made to even like tabernacle and they are rejoicing. Hallelujah. Go tell the king. Go tell the king. Glory to God. That noise you hear, that's the sound of Solomon receiving his promise. That's the sound of the people of Evening Light Tabernacle receiving their promise. That's the sound you hear. And it says, And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up, and every man went his own way. Those demons scattered. Suddenly those men that were, We're going to take this and we're going to take that. What's that noise? What's that noise? Did I just hear the Lord speak and say they can have whatever they ask for? Do I hear people speaking? There's people going to the king. This this party just died. Uh, Because if they didn't leave, death was at the door. Because we went to the king, and the king is going to destroy each and every one of your enemies to fulfill each and every promise he's given you. It will not return unto him void, but they will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Adonijah thought he had a claim, but it was based on circumstance. It was based on deception. Satan thought he had a claim on you, but it was based on deception. It was based on circumstance. The Lord decided to save you. The Lord decided to heal you. The Lord decided to restore you. The Lord called you to be part of his bride. Circumstance has nothing to do with it. Satan thought he had a claim on you because of precedent. Because down through the Old Testament, men couldn't keep the covenant. So he looked at that precedent. He said, they'll fall. They'll fall. But there was a new oath made where he swore by himself because there was none greater that he could swear by. And it changed the precedent from one of failure to one of victory. So there's a new precedent that we sit under today. Let me tell you, the promise superseded the old precedent. Used to, death awaited you. Failure awaited you. 
You were going to stumble. You were going to fall. Brother Branham said man could never keep the oath. But now it's not yours to keep. The new precedent is if he ever healed one person in a certain way, he's obligated to do it again. If he ever saved one person, he's obligated to do it again. The new precedent says you will be victorious. You will overcome. You will have victory in your home. You will have joy. You will have peace. You will have your children. Because that is the new precedent that has been set by the new oath by the king of kings. Satan's precedent is done away with. Listen, don't have one thing that belongs to you. The throne doesn't belong to Adonijah, but he wants it. He wants your throne. Let me skip some things here. Listen, speaking as humans, Adonijah had a right to that throne. Adonijah had a claim to that throne. And speaking as humans, sometimes you may have a right to be hurt. You may think you have a right to be bitter. You may can point to a place and go, I was done wrong. But see, those are circumstances. Those are perceptions. Adonijah could look and go, I have a right to that. But if Adonijah would have just stepped back and said, not what I think I have a right to, but what does the word say about it? You say, I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be envious. I have a right to have these things in my life. I was done wrong. I, was un- I won't argue with you. Maybe you were done wrong. But what does the word say about your right to hold on to those things? The word doesn't give you a right to hold on to those things. The word comes to loose you from those things. And if Adonijah would have recognized that and stepped back, he would have been a man of great power. He would have been a man of great power, the eldest son of, of the king, the eldest brother of King Solomon, a man of great renown. But he couldn't let go of what he thought, how he thought it should be, and his pride would not ever allow him to come to a full and true repentance because it was based on what he thought instead of what the word of God said. Don't be bound by your thoughts and the circumstances that the enemy would put around you. Listen, that sly devil, he'll, he'll slip in. Like I said, it's not always a frontal attack. And I'm going to bring this down to a close. But he'll slip in unawares. As long as Adonijah is alive, you must keep your guard up. Because we'll see in the scripture that Adonijah... Like many old religious demons, fled to the altar. And he sat there at the altar and he hid behind a few tears. And he hid behind a little bit of, I won't do it again. But nothing changed in him. That evil was still down on the inside of his heart. And Solomon made a decision. He said, I'll give him a chance. Listen, you don't make that decision. When you see Adonijah raise up in your life, you smash his head right there. You kill it right there. Don't give it a chance to come back. But he says, I'll give him a chance. He said, if he promises to be an upright man, then he'll live. I'll let him live. So Adonijah was still alive. And as long as Adonijah is alive, you must, you must keep your guard out. Notice in verse 51. Now let me skip down. to ver- Chapter 2, verse 13. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, comest thou peaceably? In other words, she asked this because she knew this is the guy that was going to kill me. This is the guy that tried to overthrow the kingdom. And he says, peaceably. He said, moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, say on. He said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somebody hasn't truly repented. 
somebody still thinks the kingdom belongs to them. He says, and that all of Israel, everybody agreed, set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. What a sad condition. What an awful place in that he recognizes. Man, God moves in that church. I know that's God. I know he's moving there. I see the miracles and the healings. I, I, I see all that. But, but, man, there's so much wrong there. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. He said, I know God moves. I see the sick healed. But, man, I know the Lord is here. But, I know the Lord is here. But, wake up, Solomon. Adonijah's on your throne. Adonijah's sitting there and he's causing you to view everything through a, through a complex or an envy. And it's like a cataract that would cover your eye. And you look at it and you think you're seeing what's right, but you're viewing everything through a lie. And you don't even know it. Adonijah's sitting there. And, and in your heart, you don't mean to be that way, but you're viewing it through a lie. And so you perceive things a certain way. That's this way because of this. And that's this way because of that. And he recognizes it's God, and he still can't humble himself down to it. He looks and says, I know Solomon's God's anointed. But why him? Why does he get to make the rules? Why is it this way? Why is it that way? Listen, Adonijah's not one to play games with. Remember, you weren't invited to his banquet. Because he has plans to destroy you. So don't pet that little thing and pet that little devil and pet it. And don't, don't reason it out because reasoning would have put Adonijah on the throne. Reasoning would have said he is the eldest. He is the one more fit to rule. Reasoning would have said, of course, Adonijah should sit on the throne. You, you can't reason it out. Don't reason out church attendance. Don't reason out your prayer life. Don't reason out a real experience with the Lord. Listen, lukewarmness is nothing to toy around with. Lukewarmness feels comfortable. Adonijah feels comfortable. He feels like the right pit. Lukewarmness is there to destroy you and to destroy your home and to teach your children that the house of God isn't that important and to teach your children that a prayer life isn't that important. And we can just say we believe the message and we can say Brother Branham was a prophet and you can quote Revelation 10, 7, Malachi 4, 5 and you're bound for hell because you've never had an experience with God. And that's what lukewarmness wants to do. It's not your friend. It's Adonijah. And he's come to take everything that you have. And he's here to take your children. Look, compare yourself to this. Brother Branham would say this. This pastor comes to Brother Branham. He's saying, I can't get people to come to church regularly. And Brother Branham says, because they're just church members, they're not born again. That's the reason. I'm just going to leave it right there. Well, I don't come because, no, you don't come because you're not born again. I'm just telling you what the prophet said. If you don't like it, then take it up with him. Well, I don't come, you don't come because you're not born again. They don't come because they're not born again. That's the reason. A man that's born of the Spirit of God loves to go to church better than he loves to eat his dinner when he's hungry. Maybe you skinny folks can't relate to that the way I can. But let me tell you, that means they love them some church. They love to come every time the church doors open. There is nothing that's going to keep them 
from the house of God. Listen, when I'm at work and the bell rings for me to have my lunch break and somebody says, hey, let's go do this. Uh-uh. No, it's lunchtime. And this is what we do at lunchtime. And it's what I'm always going to do at lunchtime. And then when it's supper time, don't call and say, hey, you want? No, it's supper time. And I'm hungry. And this is what we're going to do. And so when Wednesday comes around, you say, hey, we need to do this project. No, we don't. It's church time. And this is what we do because we're born again. We go to the house of God. We worship God. And that's the precedent in this home. That's what we're going to do. And on Sunday, we're going again. And if they have a special service on Thursday, we're going to be there. And if they have a special service on Friday, we're going to be there. Because he said they don't go because they're not born again. Don't let lukewarmness build a throne in your heart. He's trying to destroy you. He wants your dominion. He wants your rightful place. And so he, so he keeps you from it. And we're going to go down and read these scriptures right here. 1 Kings 2.16. And now I ask one petition of thee. Deny me not. Now, why didn't he just go to Solomon if he thought this petition was okay? You see this Catholic spirit here? I'm going to go to his mama. I'm going to go talk to the king's mama. And maybe she won't have a problem with these things I'm trying to do. And maybe she won't rebuke me for the things I'm trying to do. So he comes to mama. And he says... And she said unto him, say on. And he says in verse 17, speak, I pray thee unto Solomon, the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to wife. Now, we skipped this early on, but towards the end of David's life. Abishag was a virgin that was brought in to lay with David to keep him warm. David did not know her. In that way, there was no relationship with her at all, but she laid up against him for body heat. But to the outside world, it was viewed as though she was part of his concubine. Even though there was no relationship of that way, she belonged to David. She was one of his women. She was part of the concubine. But now David's gone, and he's struck up a plan. How can I get the throne? What can I do? He says that he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to wife. And if we skip down, verse 19, she went before Solomon. And it says, and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. And then verse 21, and she said, let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, thy brother, to wife. Now, she didn't see through the plan like Solomon did. She didn't recognize it like Solomon did. But understand this. Taking any part of the king's concubine was a claim to the king's throne. You see, Absalom did the same thing when he went into David's concubine when he was rebelling against David. Because by going into the concubine, it gave him a claim to the throne. And so here's Adonijah going, if I can just get a part even though Solomon knew she wasn't really part of the concubine, the perception to the outside world would be he's taken the king's concubine. And he would come in, and he would subtly come in. But notice what King Solomon says. And King Solomon said unto his mother, Why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? 
ask him, ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my elder brother. In other words, he instantly recognized this is Adonijah trying to stake another claim, coming in through another door, trying to take a peace. Remember what I told you? Even if he takes your joy, he now has a claim to your throne. And now if I even give him this one thing, it'll give him a rightful claim to the throne. And look, he's already given him a chance. But I love what he says. He says, now therefore as the Lord liveth, verse 24, which hath established me. He goes back to the promise. Why am I the king? Why are you here today as an overcomer? Why can you claim all the promises you claim? Because he hath established me. He goes right back to the promise. He says, he that established me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who hath made me a house as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. I say it's time that we quit playing games with Adonijah. I say that on this day, we take Adonijah and we put him to death. I say whatever Adonijah's trying to rob from you, whichever way he has come in, I say it's time to go to the king today. Go there today. Don't wait any longer. But today, we will put Adonijah to death. Today, we will tell Adonijah, you cannot have this bride. You cannot have a claim on this bride. You will not have a claim on this throne. You do not have a claim on my life. You don't have a claim on my children. Listen, Adonijah said, I will sit on the throne. But the Lord said, Solomon will sit on the throne. And back in Isaiah, the devil said, I will ascend and I will sit on the throne. Well, devil, you said you'd sit on the throne, but the Lord spoke in Revelation 3.21, and he said to him that overcometh will I grant to sit on the throne. That's you. The devil says I'm going to sit on the throne. What's the promise say? What's the promise say? You're going to sit on the throne. You're going to sit on the throne. I don't care about the circumstance today. Go to the king. The throne is yours. Hallelujah. How do I recognize it, Brother Aaron? How do I recognize Adonijah? Anything contrary to the promise. Anything contrary to the promise of God is the kingdom of Satan. Can you remind the Lord? Can you remind him today of his promises? Can you remind him of what the enemy is trying to steal from you? Can you bow your heads with me? You are a people of great and precious promises. And they're every one true. Every single one of them are true. But Adonijah wants to take them from you. Say in your heart right now, today I'm going to remind the king of his word. Today I'm going to go in and say, Lord, you are my provider. Adonijah has stole the health of my son. He stole the soul of my daughter. He stole my wife. He stole my husband. Husband, he stole, our, he stole my body. He stole my job. He's trying to bring us down. But, Lord, you are my provider. Lord, you said you would withhold no good thing from me. And today, Lord, I'm reminding you of your oath to me. 1 Kings 8:56, and I love this. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise. Can you go before him and say, Lord God, I know your promises are true. 
I know none of them will fail. Lord, I'm not coming before you in doubt today. I'm coming before you in praise. I'm just here to remind you, Lord God, you made the promise. Lord God, Adonijah has come, and he's tried to rob me time after time. He's telling me I can't have the Holy Ghost. He's telling me I can't be healed. He's telling me I can't overcome. He's telling me that I'm never going to ascend to the throne. But, Lord, you promised all these things were mine. Lord, this is your word, and I'm reminding you of your word. I'm not standing on my word. I'm not here in doubt, but I'm here because I believe, and I'm reminding you today that I do not believe Adonijah has any claim on my life because he has no claim on the throne. He has no claim on my promises because he is a squatter. And the year of Jubilee has come. And now the rightful owner is returning to the throne. The rightful owner is taking his dominion. The rightful owner is here to claim his promises. I have promises. And I will not be robbed anymore. Because I'm going to go to the king. Heavenly Father, Lord God. Lord, these words are your words. Lord God, I've just tried to remind the people today that they're sitting on a mountain of promises. Lord God, and every one of them are true. Lord, you have sworn to them by an oath, and you swore by yourself because there was none greater. Lord God, so we know that the oath is true. We know that the promises are true. Lord God, and we know they've been given to us, and yet we see time after time the enemy would come in, and he would try to use circumstance, and he would use perception, and he would use lies to say, that doesn't belong to you. That's not yours. But Lord God, I'm coming to you today to point to that offender and tell you what he's done and to call him out and expose that Adonijah in my life and say, Lord, you promised me and I'm going to stand here until you meet each and every one of my needs. Lord, we're here today on your hands, Lord, to remind you of your word, Lord, because we believe it, Lord, because it's true. Is there anybody here this morning that would just raise to their feet and say, Lord, I'm here to remind you of every precious promise, every word you've given. And I'm going to stand right here on it, Lord, because I believe it. Not because I have any doubts, but because, Lord, I believe it today. Because you cannot change, you cannot lie. I'm here to stand with you. Brothers and sisters, I'll fight with you, I'll fight for you. But we got to bind together, it's rapture time. It's going home time, and the battle is harder than it's ever been. There's lost loved ones out there, and we're not leaving until they come in. I'm going to fight for them. It doesn't matter if they're my blood kin. They're my brothers and sisters. They're more than blood kin. They were bought with the price of Jesus Christ. It's time we bind together, and right now I say in the name of Jesus, we call out to the Lord and begin to remind him right now of each precious promise he's given me. Whatever you're holding in your heart, whatever it is you've been standing for, I say today, just begin to remind him. You don't got to come to the altar right where you're at. Right where you're at, just telling, Lord, I have a promise. You gave it to me. I'm standing on it. I'm not backing up. I'm not turning around. Adonijah will have no claim on this bride. Adonijah will have no claim in my life. Brother Branham said this bride will not be a lukewarm. You say I've struggled with lukewarmness. Then turn away from that thing. Run away from Adonijah as fast as you can and run to the throne. He promised you a fresh experience. He promised refillings of the Holy Ghost. He promised your children. He promised peace. He promised love. He promised overcoming power. I would lay hold of it right now and claim it. Lord God, I'm reminding you. Of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. Your promises are yea and your promises are amen. Lord, and that's why I stand here to remind you. Lord God, because there is no doubt in me. There is faith that has risen up in my heart that says those promises are mine. 
Those children are coming back. Lord, your peace is coming back to me. Lord God, my right mind is coming back to me. I don't have to let anything crown my life other than the baptism of the Holy Spirit that brings out, Lord God, love and peace and joy and kindness, brotherly love and overcoming power. There will be victory in my life. I claim it now, Lord, because your word is true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. He's earned the right for you to believe him. He's done nothing to cause us to doubt. There should be no doubt in this building. There should be no doubt in your heart. He's done nothing but prove time after time after time that this is the year of Jubilee. He's proved time after time after time that he will not fail you. He's proved time after time after time that he's here, church, to meet your needs. Quit living below your privileges. Quit letting the enemy nibble at your fruit. He doesn't just want a little piece. He's going to consume all of it. Go to the king today. I adjure you in the name of Jesus. Go to the king today. Don't sit there and let him take what God promised you.